0: Welcome to the Sports Field Management Podcast, where we'll be bringing you content from STMA conference education sessions, roundtable discussions, and presentations, as well as interviews with industry insiders. I'm your host, John Kamita, Associate Publisher and Editorial Brand Director of Sports Field Management. This edition of the podcast is a presentation from the STMA Conference on the topic of plant growth regulators. The speaker, Ben Polymer, is Fields and Grounds Coordinator, Town of Weston, Massachusetts, and is President of the New England Sports Turf Managers Association. We felt that this content is perhaps more relevant now than ever as sports field managers have reached out to us for information on how plant growth regulators might be used to help during times of limited access to fields and reduced mowing schedules. This presentation also ties to Ben Polymer's article in the May 2020 issue of Sports Field Management Magazine. So with that, here's Ben Polymer.
1: So the plant growth regulators, well, what they are, how do they work, uh, will they work for me? We'll talk about some costs and some typical application. I'm not a researcher. I don't work for chemical companies. I'm just going to tell you what, what I've seen in the, in the last couple of years in, in using most of these products. Um, and a lot of the information is from some researchers, so so we'll, we'll go through it. So there's, there's two types of PGRs, there's type 1 and type 2. Uh, type 1 are all foliar-absorbed products. Type two are in two classes. So class A is a foliar absorbed, and class B is a root absorbed product. So that's the, the, the difference between some of these products. So type one, uh, they're foliar absorbed. They inhibit cell division, right? We inhi- If we want to inhibit cell division, uh, we inhibit leaf growth and seed head development. Uh, mesofluolide is the Embark product that, that most people would use, and it's seed head suppression, poannua. Um, and really, for the most part, it's really not used too much in the sports store. If anyone's using Embark, no, right? Not really used a whole lot. Uh, so the type two products is the they inhibit gibberellic acid, uh, and gibberellic acid is uh, is a plant hormone that produces that uh, promotes shoot growth. So for reducing shoot growth, we're reducing the, the, the size of the plant. So class A, the foliar absorbed, uh, G, uh, the, the GA is inhibited late in the process, uh, and tranexpec Ethyl is the probably the the most used product of of turf managers. Everyone knows it is Primo post patent. I put it up here what I pay. It's about $135 a gallon. I don't know if people pay more, or pay less, uh, but that's that's kind of what I what I pay for is per gallon. Uh, the the product, the next one product the, the calcium product, the Anu, um, that's fairly new on the market in the last couple of years, and they supposedly say there's no rebound effect. I've never used it. I don't know. Anyone using Anu? Yes, people are. Okay, talk to them, not me, because I don't know. Um, I, I work with a tight budget and the new is not, not in that budget, but uh, using post-patent products definitely is. Uh, so, so then the Class 2 products, uh, they're root-absorbed. Uh, they inhibit late in the process, but they have to be watered in. Makes sense. They're root-absorbed. They have to be watered in. Uh, so Pactiburisol, trim it. That's a power suppression. Uh, and then the Cutlass product that a lot of people are using is a Poer suppression and some seed heads. Um, and then down, down below, the, the trixpec ethyl, and uh, for the primordial, the, the legacy edgeless, they're the combination product. The foliar and root absorb, uh, stem suppression, seed head elongation. Uh, anyone using the legacy edgeless products? No, I'll, I'll go in. A few, maybe. Uh, I did try the edgeless product a couple years ago, and I'll give you a few slides on that a little later. Um, and then there's other. There's another product, the proxy product. It's a natural growth hormone. Um, and that's for mostly seed head suppression. I know most of the golf guys use that, the Proxy Primo mix uh, for golf greens. And then when I was working for tennis, uh, we use it for the tennis courts to reduce seed heads in the springtime. Um, And then the Paxilbutazole and the Trinixpec ethyl, they're a good mix of both suppression and POA control. I know a lot of people are starting to use these these two mixed products uh, in college-level fields. So... After all this, reminder, right? You're never going to apply any of these products to stress turf. Uh, that's my JV football field. That's in August. It's completely 100% dormant. Uh, we had no rain from June 2nd to September 5th, minus a couple thunderstorms here and there. Um, so you're never going to apply a product like these uh, on a field like that. Um, and if you can't mow it, this is my thing. If you can't mow correctly, do not use these products. Mowing is the most important pro- uh, process that we do, and if you can't mow correctly, I don't think this is these are products for you as well. And then obviously, drought, disease, and insects um, don't not necessary. Um, sure. So there's, there's some questions on a lot of the, some of the new products have a growing degree day model where you can uh, the um, the application timing is based on growing degree days. I don't use growing degree days. Um, as Dave is up here from Massachusetts as well, we have very, very strict rules on pesticide applications on school properties, and I apply EPA-labeled products when schools out of session. It's just easier. It's an easier way of doing it. Uh, so we apply from June through August. I don't have a sprayer. I contract it out. It's just an easy process that I can buy the product and have someone apply it. Um, for no issue. Uh, if anyone wants more information on the growing degree days, uh, Bill Kruiser from um, University of Nebraska Lincoln has done the tremendous amount of research on growing degree days. Uh, that's his Twitter handle there, and if you just type in UNL turf, uh, he has a tremendous amount of information on it. Uh, and there's some new updated articles in December about modeling with growing degree days. So definitely look hit, uh, look up him uh, for that information. And this is this is his website. Uh, there's some tracking calculators that you can use, there are Excel spreadsheets, there's a training video, uh, there's some publications on it as well, and also, let's see if I can use this, there's a Greenkeeper, it's, a, uh, it's an app that you can use to put all your products in. Uh, I just started using it about a month ago, uh, but it will take growing degree days and weather and your products and will give you an application timing for, for uh, uh, PGR usage. So we'll talk about benefit, uh, yeah, potential benefits of the PGR usage. So there's 10 here. Uh, I have the last three in red. I won't talk a lot about these because I've never experienced them, but this is from Pam Sherratt's work, Dr. John Street from Ohio State, uh, and this is kind of what they talk about, and I, we're going to go through each individual uh, one of these. All right, so this is uh, when I was at Worcester Academy. This is the football field. Uh, My contractor's out spraying Primo for the first time. Uh, It's right after we had a uh, spring practice, I believe. It's in the June time frame, and we're going out and spraying. So you say, "Okay, great. We're going to go out and spray Primo. No problem. That's not this field, but this is another field. And you say, wow, what what did I just do? Um, The POA is beat up pretty good. Uh, Here's some POA triv in here that's not in bad shape. uh, But it was in really, really tough shape after we we sprayed it. Go off the label rates. I've always started a little lower than the label rate and work your way up. Uh, So this is about 16 ounces per acre. Um, Why do I use 16 ounces per acre? Um, It worked out in the calculations for buying a case, a -a two-and-a-half-gallon jug. I I was doing 20 acres at the time. 16 ounces gave me two applications. I did. You know, it just depends on what the label rate is and what you're comfortable in in doing. Here's a little better close-up picture. Um, it's a uh, bluegrass, ryegrass field, po annua, a little poa trivialis in there. Um, got beat up pretty good from the first application. Uh, so here's from Penn State talking about TE applications. Uh, it needs to be dry. I've sprayed this in a rainstorm. It was only so effective. It's really, you have to have it dry on the leaf. Um, you should expect about 50% growth reduction. Some others say even maybe a little more than 50%. I've never seen it. Um, and then it does take, I would say, on the higher end, around that five-day, for, for the PGR to kick in. It is not immediate. It's not spraying iron on, on a field and you automatically see it green up. Not going to happen. Uh, and, again, discoloration from the application, that absolutely happens. Uh, it will darken up as you apply it. Um Here's a Primo chart. Tough to see. Um, let's see here. Mixture: of Kentucky bluegrass, fescue, ryegrass. They say about 33 ounces an acre. I've never applied it that high. Never. I know guys do. I've never applied it that high. Uh, I will do about 16 in the first first 16 ounces in the first application. 20 and maybe 22 or 24. Uh, and then they have some warm season. If you got warm season guys uh, for bluegrass, uh, Bermuda. All right. so the first thing, reduce clippings. Yes, it will reduce clippings. It will reduce the amount you have to mow. Uh, 50 to 60% reduction was from the Ohio State research and four to seven weeks of suppression. I have never seen seven weeks. Anyone seen seven weeks with a suppression? No. I Three, four, hopefully around four, and that's the way I apply is every, on a four-week schedule. Uh, so, like, again, June through August, we'll start at 16, work our way up to 20. I think we worked up to about 22... Um, ounces an acre this fall so again these are my this is my money this is what I pay 135 dollars a gallon right 128 ounces works out to about 17 dollars an acre but that's at that 16 ounce rate so is 17 dollars an acre affordable for for most of you I would assume so Uh, I work on the municipal side budgets are tight uh, but that's a very doable thing if you're spraying on a, a regular basis, I'm spraying on a regular basis in the summertime, for crabgrass, broadleaf weeds, grubs, wetting agents. You're just going to throw this in the tank, so it's a, it's an extra cost. Dave. So yes, yeah, so contract. I think it's very affordable. I pay about fifty dollars an acre to spray. That's my contractor's rate. Um, I'll talk a little bit more. Fifty dollars an acre. Pretty reasonable, I think. Uh, I've had bids go out 100 100, $125 an acre, pretty pretty expensive. But you got to remember, we live in the Northeast, and everything's more expensive. So enhanced color, texture, and density. Um, it will darken the color eventually. Trust me, it will. After the first application, you're going to say no, but it, it will. Uh, it will definitely reduce vertical growth, Obviously. Uh, and when you're reducing vertical growth, you're increasing that density. Um, You're increasing that density, you have more plants per square inch. It's just a fact. Um, Height of cut. When I was in Worcester, we were cutting at an inch and a quarter, uh, three times a week, rotary mower. Uh, My AD at the time, who I worked for, was a golf guy. Uh, He didn't know anything about sports turf, but he knew something was different after the second application. He walked out on the field and he said, what did you do? He knew there was a difference and it's that plants per square inch, it's that density that's just, you can mow seven days a week, you're not gonna get the density using that, P, unless you're using the PGR. Uh, and then now here at Weston, in the municipal side, we're cutting it two and a half inches, once or twice a week, uh, if, we, if we can get out. Uh, it's a noticeable, it's still a noticeable difference even at that height of cut. Little tough to see, but this is a, a little league field and that black line it's a little darker on this side. That's just the spray boom. Didn't go over. It's close enough to the, to the fence. It's a little darker. And you also see a little more clippings on this side. Just clipping yield where you missed. Uh, here's that darkened color. Uh, this is in October when I was in Worcester. Uh, just the plants per square inch is, is tremendous. Density is, is excellent. And you want that density going into fall sports, obviously, with, with, with football. All right. Extended life of painting lines. Anyone use Primo and Paint? A lot of you, right? I, I would say that's the place to start using these products. is in is in the paint. Uh, this is when I was in Worcester. This is a touch line for a soccer field that we used to overlay on uh, on a baseball field. You can see it's sunken in. That's three applications during a fall season of Primo and Paint. Uh, is it? Noticeable? Yeah, it's noticeable. This picture actually happens to be three days before Christmas in 2015. That's how dark a color we were uh, that year. Um, here is in Weston. Uh, this, this is a lacrosse field last spring uh, with Primo. You can see a little bit of reduction in, in the height, of, height of, the, of the turf. And at that point, when you're mowing it once, twice, three times a week, you're not cutting off that paint. You're saving those lines for a little bit of time period so you can reapply. It is excellent for practice fields. Excellent for practice fields. Highly, highly recommend for practice fields. Label rate. The label rate is one ounce per gallon. Has anyone used the one ounce per gallon rate? No? I say at least half the rate. That's the way I've always done is half the rate. Uh, I I think the one ounce is is way too much. Uh, and, And we'll do it about every three to four weeks. I would not put it out in your first painting of the year when you're laying out fields. Uh, I would put it in the second one, and then we reapply it every three to four weeks uh, during the process. So again, going with that $135 a gallon, uh, going with, it's about $100, uh, 5 an ounce, putting that in, right, average bucket. You figure, you're putting it in, it's 263 per bucket average football field. I don't do anything special with my football field. Lines, hashes, no borders, no logos, none of that. Uh, About five buckets normally. So you figure it's about $13.15 every painting you're putting that Primo in. That's very, very affordable. I have a one-gallon jug we'd use just for painting. We're only about halfway through it, and that's a full spring and summer and fall season. There's very little that you're going to use. So, again, you guys, for for logo painting, is that going to save some some labor for logos? Yes, I assume so. Uh, Obviously, if uh, you have NFL, uh, Division I College, when you're on TV, yes, you want to have those logos bright, uh, but this is an opportunity when teams go out of town have a long extension uh, to be away, you can hold those logos a little bit longer. Uh, Wheel-to-wheel painters. Sorry, this picture's terrible. Uh, At the tennis club, uh, using the wheel-to-wheel painters. Anyone use these, the wheel-to-wheel painters? Be very careful using these with Primo. Uh, you need to tinker with the rate big time on using these because you're literally painting each leaf rather than than, uh, than spraying. So it's a tremendous high concentration of paint out there. Uh, and when I was at Longwood, we used it uh, frequently. Uh, I had guys, we were there seven days a week painting, so that was not particularly necessarily an issue. We just wanted to hold those lines if we knew we were going to have a rain event and excess growth, that we could hold those lines for a little bit longer. That's just a special circumstance. I'm sure none of you ever worked on grass tennis courts before. Uh, This is from Darren Daly. Uh, This was a practice field of his. And you can see the numbers that were pre-mode. You've lost them a little bit, but they're still there for a practice field and available to repaint. You just hold those numbers a little bit longer uh, for an ext- for extended period of time, and then you can come back in and paint them. Uh, for Matt Anderson, Arizona, Matt was here. I don't know if he's still here. This is from Matt. Uh, I believe it's uh, overseeded Bermuda with ryegrass, and you can see the indentation using the Primo on the lines. It will make a difference. You will see it. Is it that big of a deal? Probably not looks a little puffy, probably going to cut that anyways, uh, but it's it will hold those lines just a little bit longer uh, through those period of time. Uh, this is from Eric Campbell in uh, Kansas State. This is a field, I don't believe he manages this field, tough to see, um, a lot of weed pressure. From what he told me on this one, uh, they use a CO2 painter. I don't know who, anyone who uses a CO2 painter anymore, um, but the CO2 painter using the Primo uh, and paint they basically destroyed the lines. They were there permanently. Uh, they, they lost all turf in that area. Uh, so definitely a caution using CO2, uh, painters with, with Primo applications. Uh, this is my football field in Weston. Uh, a little difficult to see, but you can see those the hashes, the inside hash, just holding those lines a little bit longer in between uh, the paintings. You can see a little bit of indentation there, just holding a little bit. Uh, Again, this is a blue, primarily bluegrass field. Again, looking up the sidelines, you see that little indentation, you're gonna be able to hold those lines again. Uh, Inside hashes. Anyone know what the issue with that is? Anyone see that? The hashes are on the wrong side. My head groundskeeper was a golf superintendent and teaching him how to line football fields was a uh, interesting process. All right, next one, Uh, prevent tissue elongation, right? Leggy turf, you don't want that leggy turf. A lot of people will use these, uh, the Primo applications, very high rate under tarps, under cover, and under turf protection uh, for large events. Uh, And you want to apply, the timing of the application is very critical, so you want to reduce that vertical growth during the time the turf is under cover, and then you want it to rebound, that rebound effect, uh, right after you pull up those covers. I'm a Red Sox fan, so I had to put this in. This is a Springsteen concert. Uh, and then that was the, the turf cover protections uh, that they use over at Fenway. Uh, next part, uh, increased sod strength and divot resistance. Uh, so, again, from Ohio State, uh, the, the the increased amount of tillers produced after four weeks, and then they say the divot lengths are reduced. Uh, there is some research from, from Penn State that divot length is based on... Um, it's based on soil type. If you have a sand-based field versus a native soil field, the native soil field, the divot length will be smaller than the sand-based field. It kind of makes sense just from a from a soil's perspective. Uh, so, again, increased sod strength, divot resistance. It will increase energy to lateral growth. right? If you're having that more lateral growth, more plants per square inch, you're going to be in much better shape. Uh, so Penn State did another research to improve the divot resistance. Uh, I said that, right? Yep, sand-native soil. There you go. Uh, and PSU did a lot of research about that precondition, preconditioning of football fields primarily, and then they talked about football fields basically not used at all in the spring to summer period, recovering from last fall football, football, and and doing that precondition with the primos. So you're having that that growing area. Uh, this was a soccer field um, when I was in Worcester, practice soccer f- field. Uh, it was used five days a week. It was a game field for our, the middle school and JB program. Again, inch and a quarter cut, Kentucky bluegrass. That is the only bad spot in the entire field was the goal mouth. That's preconditioned with three applications of primo over the summer and having that regrowth ready and available for fall sports. Uh, better fall color, spring green up. Uh, Football field, this is ready for, uh, again, about the preconditioning, this is ready for uh, first practices of the year. There is questions on if you have a late-season Primo application and you time it with your late-season nitrogen application, that you're going to have better spring green up. Um, I've seen it a little bit. I've never done it myself just because of our state laws. We're not spraying late in the season, Uh, but I have seen it where we've put Primo down on the paint those are the paint lines, the first things to green up in the springtime. That's this is little, little League complex again. You can see that green color on the inside, and where the boom sprayer just couldn't reach it right along the fence area. That's spring green up uh, from those applications. The Little League complex is not uh, it, it's not part of the regulations in Massachusetts. They can do whatever they want and spray uh, so that's why they had good good green spring green up. Here's that paint line. This is in early March in Worcester. That was a paint line from the previous fall for football. And you can see it's just a li- just turning a little bit into color. Uh, and this is this year. Um, during drought conditions in Massachusetts, we had a terrible drought this year. Uh, this is into dormancy. and you can see uh, it was a lacrosse line and it's just holding a little bit of color uh, rather than the rest of the field. Okay, wear tolerance and recuperative potential, right? You're not going to get any wear tolerance or recuperative potential when it's under suppression. You're waiting for that rebound effect. Timing of this is critical for that rebound effect. You want actively growing turf when it's being trafficked. Um, I like to do it uh, three uh, three days before fall sports start. Just get that time period where you go into two-a-days, football, soccer. Uh, you know you're going to get a high usage. You want that rebound effect right after or during those trafficked areas. And uh, I say I like to cut turf. When I was in Worcester, I had guys, and all I did was cut turf three times a week, four times a week, five times a week. Uh, I want to be active cutting an active turf grass plant, and growing through that rebound effect is what you want to see, and that's going to help with, with your recovery. So I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Any questions, happy to answer them. And uh, thank you very much.
0: Thanks once again for listening to the Sports Field Management Podcast. Be sure to check back here for additional content. And be sure to look for Ben's article in the main issue of Sports Field Management Magazine, the official publication of the Sports Turf Managers Association.